0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Touchdown Report, my brand new podcast, well second brand new podcast, Relaunch, however you want to call it. It's basically a podcast where we talk about sports and such. I am your host Carlos Soberanas and today I decided to do a nice episode of The Relaunch by talking about probably and arguably one of the best divisions in recent years, the NFC West. Now, I'm a Niners fan, so you know as hell I'm going to be a little bit biased, but I needed somebody else to help me out here, so... I mean, I had to bring in somebody, so I brought in my main man, homie, my arch rival in terms of football, Rams fan himself, Glenn Collins. Hey, Glenn, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, It's good to be here, Carlos. Nice to talk again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I had to bring someone, and I mean, I didn't have a Cardinals or Seahawks fan, so I figured, and I mean, you guys did win the Super Bowl, so I mean, I guess you can come on, so.
1: Oh, (laughs) come on. Don't be that downplay about it, man. We may have (laughs) lost twice in the regular season, but the one in the playoffs really mattered
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so today's episode is just that for those of you guys that don't know i'm we are just gonna be running through the nfc west and just doing rankings just from every single position which team has the best and which team has the worst so are you ready for this my man uh
1: i'm pretty ready for
0: this yes all right then so first off we're gonna be talking about the quarterbacks and this one was a little bit difficult to do just cause, I mean, from what this offseason showed, anything can happen, and probably one of the best divisions may not have the best quarterback selection right now.
1: Would you say that? Uh, I can definitely uh, believe in, uh, believe that that thing is very true. Um, especially <laughs> some of them are actually like it's like some of them are coming out of college. Some of them are like need to be swapped to different teams. But uh, it's also on the matters of, like, that they definitely uh, need the right team to work with. Like, how Matt Mm -hmm. Stafford definitely got away from the Lions and Mm -hmm. showed off his his stuff by winning his first Super Bowl with the Rams first year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, we're just going to be going through this ranking. So, number four on the list, or the team that I think has the least impressive, I had to put the Seattle Seahawks. And now many of you may be wondering, how can you do this? Russell Wilson's a great guy. He's a great quarterback. We're talking about right now, and Russell Wilson's no longer a Seattle Seahawk. He is a Denver Bronco. So that's one of the reasons why I had to change it. I mean, don't get me wrong. They had good quarterbacks, but if you have Geno Smith and Drew Locke as your starting quarterback, that's not really a sign that's saying that we're competing for a ring. What do you think, man?
1: Uh, I could definitely agree that Geno Smith and Locke—it's it, not—they can't make up the whole team. One, two players yep. can't make up the whole team. Also, not mm-hmm. only on top of that is that they may do—they may have Tyler Lockett as the wide as one of their wide receivers, and mm-hmm. he is really good, and there's no doubt about it. But from what I've seen coming up to date, that their defense is slowly slipping as well, and I don't see much improvement. Uh, Hopefully the draft can change that, but I'm not seeing uh, the Seahawks making it to the Super Bowl anytime soon or anything.
0: At least without their quarterbacks, that's true. Um, Number three, I put, i made a little bit biased, but I had to, I put the 49ers on there. Now, just from Trey Lance, if I had to just put Trey Lance, he would definitely be probably the worst, just because he only has three games under his belt. That's like the only reason why. But, technically, Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the team. So, I had to factor in his kind of production as well. Because, I mean, he's not amazing, but he gets the job done. He gets dubs. I mean, yeah. And then, um, number two is uh, Kyler Murray, who I put down. And that means, obviously, number one's Matthew Stafford. But the reason why... I put Stafford over Murray was well, just that Stafford, like you mentioned, Glenn, he is the most professional and most veteran quarterback out of all of them. And like you said, he did win a ring. So, I mean, you can't deny that he definitely has that veteran instinct in him to still be in here and still winning games.
1: Mm-hmm. I could definitely agree with you on that uh, on this ranking, too, is that with Matt Stafford being a veteran, he's definitely had the experience over most of these quarterbacks. So he knows how to work himself in the pocket, when to move, when to actually throw the football, how far, and just being able to move and manipulate the defense to basically their advantage.
0: Yeah, and I know a lot of people might say that Kyler Murray might be better, but he has he's talented, but he only has one winning season in four years now, I think, or three. And we've clearly seen that when the second half of the cardinal season rolls around, he hella struggles, and I mean, you were first witness to that in that horrendous wild card game in which he did not look great at all.
1: Mhm, like I don't know what happened with the cardinal with especially with Kyler Murray, yeah, how many I don't remember he threw like almost like three four interceptions, and yeah it it was just a travesty that day for Kyler Murray, and it's like it's it's weird basically to see uh like him just rolling through the regular season and then just drops the ball from what i've heard as well is that um apparently mm-hmm. it's uh like they're doing a on a uh, they're doing a uh, the the one of the shows about the NFL and they do something about the teams and yeah. so later on this year they're mm-hmm. going to be doing the Arizona Cardinals and keeping an eye on Carlin Murray because apparently Call of Duty is getting in the way with their star quarterback, which I don't think it should.
0: <laughs> it's really a ridiculous- Well to put that in perspective <laughs> To put that in perspective, he signed a big extension this offseason that I think you probably heard of. Apparently in that contract was actually them saying that he was required to I think have about six hours of film study to get his paycheck. So, how embarrassing do you think that is for your team to write into your contract? Now, obviously, they removed it now because he went on social media and stated that he's professional but just imagine that that you're signing a 200 million dollar contract and in there it requires you to have to have like registered six hours of film study in order to get paid like how embarrassing is that it
1: is horrible that's that's like saying okay (laughs) we're paying you to do specifically this for five hours, that's all you gotta do, and you don't do it, you're kind of dumbing down your paycheck, man. You gotta do the work and show your effort, man. That's what they want out of you, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And I mean, that was like one of the reasons why I had to put him number two. I mean, he is talented, but until he matures and it better gets better in the second half, I think Stafford right now is the best quarterback in their division in the division right now. Mhm. Yeah. So moving on now, we're gonna talk about the running backs. Now, this division doesn't really have a recognizable running back. There's no like Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb. It's kinda of most like a running back kind by committee kind of thing in this division, which makes sense. I mean, we've had some legendary running backs in the NFC West for a long time. Guys like Frank Gore, guys like Marshawn Lynch, um what was it, Todd Gurley at one point. And, you know, very great running backs. But now it's more of like a committee thing, which, you know, I can respect. Mm -hmm. And so fourth place on this division, I had to put again the Seahawks. Now, I think Rashad Penny, when healthy, he plays and he's good. But the problem is he can't stay healthy. And with the recent retirement of another running back in their division, Chris Carson, who was a Seahawk, it falls more on Penny to actually... Be healthy, and that's a big problem. If you're a running back and you get hurt, it's almost like your career's done because they can basically replace you with anybody.
1: Mm-hmm. And and with like with with running backs, especially, it's like we're always having that persona of a running back to be mm-hmm. strong and always there on the field. You never like seeing them get hurt, and most of the times they don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. But with this running back in particular, you think of him as a nice you think of him as a glass cannon sort of like from what i yeah what i'm reading on his depth chart he has an average of 6.3 yards and he's one of the best in the league Mm -hmm. when it comes to averages but you need to hope that he stays on the field long enough to get you more of these yards so that you can definitely win some of these games you know
0: Yeah, the former first-round pick, and he's definitely been an injury-prone guy. So, you know, hopes to him to, you know, get better and, you know, not get injured as often. So, uh, three, I was going to have the Rams, but I'm switching it now to I'm thinking more is the Cardinals. Just because Cardinals last year had the two-headed backfield monster that was uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner, and they were really good. But one of them is gone now. I think one of them went to the Miami Dolphins. I think it was Edmonds. Yeah. Edmonds went to Miami. So now it's just James Conner. And I don't know if I trust him to be just the one guy in the backfield. Like, I know he had that one good year in Pittsburgh when Le'Veon Bell was uh, suspended for that whole year. But I don't know if I trust him fully to, you know, carry the workload in Arizona, especially with how. The team is going, and we'll get to the wide receiver situation in a minute. But I think that he—I don't know—I don't I just don't think he's ready to handle that massive workload, despite having already done it before.
1: I can, I can, I can, I can see that definitely. Um, from I don't like watch a lot of uh, the Cardinals games, mm-hmm. but but their their run game definitely does have a big issue when it comes with uh mm-hmm. number one and your first string and your second string and can't really find the right pitch of the running back when it comes to yeah. each game i don't see mm-hmm. uh what would i how would i say it i don't see much of the uh uh resolve coming soon enough uh mm-hmm. so that's what i'm that's what i have to say about the arizona cardinals running back problem really
0: yeah yeah, and hopefully they fix it up. So number two, I did put the Rams there. Now I know a lot of people may be saying, but Cam Akers was injured for most injured. Sorry, he was injured for most of the year, and I say yeah, that's true. But when he was healthy, it was when the Rams were in the postseason, and aside for that one game where he had like a crucial fumble, he basically held on to the rock for the majority of that of those games, and really was. I think an X factor for the Rams, the, the punch they need, because I'm going to be honest with you, man. When I saw the Rams run game, Daryl Henderson wasn't really that guy. Like he didn't look like the, the running back that you have to say, yeah, he's the guy that we're going to give the rock to like 10, 20 times a game. He just didn't look like it. Hmm. But when I saw Cam Akers carrying it, it looked like it. And he definitely gave the Rams an edge that helped get them all the way to the Super Bowl after he finally returned from injury.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true. Uh, from what i've i've saw i've seen a lot of henderson and uh mm-hmm. after, like after you said after henderson got injured and then acres came out acres was definitely the defining feature when it came to our football when it came to specifically the la rams football team uh he was he like he he reminded me of uh oh what's his name samuel jackson i think it was long ago <laughs> back in st louis he reminds me of that <laughs> strong running back. He definitely has pizzazz when going through the line. It's really nice to see him run that ball. I, I like that little addition. Uh, I like Akers a lot as a football player. And I'm going to throw this towards the Cardinals. I hope that they get the situation like how it's happening with the Rams. They found one car- They found one player, and he's working with them. And it's per- he's pretty much a perfect spot right now. And then I hope it goes on for... Good couple years with the LA Rams, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So number one, I mean, process of elimination. I put the 49ers Now, when I talked about when I did this one, I did not put Debo in the same category in the running backs. He's more of a receiver, or like he calls it a wide back. But I like the Niners running back committee the most, just because of. How they run it, and the fact that um, they just can put anybody in there, and they can get them 100-yard games, and I mean, I'm not going to lie, I loved Elijah Mitchell last year. 963 rushing yards, dude, in only 11 games. That is impressive. Mm -hmm. And then he had six of those games. He had 100-yard efforts, which were very impressive. But not only him, but then also the other running backs that they have had in the past. You know, Matt Breida, Raheem Moster, uh, Jeff Wilson. Like, they can just put any running back into their system, and it works. Which just surprises me, because you don't see that often. You don't just get a random guy off the street and say, Okay, here you go. Here's the rock. Carry it 20 times a game. We just need you to get, like... 50 or 60 yards max, that's it. The Niners can do that with almost anybody, which is just surprising. Considering that for a long time, it was just nothing but Frank Gore, Frank Gore.
1: Oh, yeah, and they worked Frank Gore into the, floor, into the floorboards. Like, goodness gracious, they really did run him. But like how you said, they, it, it, it's fascinating to see a football team take a person, they take a random guy, tell them to do this thing, and they do it, and it works. Because I definitely saw it when the 49ers went up against the LA Rams both times and you' and the rushing game was probably the scariest I've seen on with our team, which made me question the playoffs quite a bit with the 49ers. It's crazy and, oh. and it's really nice <laughs> that you've said Samuels a running a wide receiver for a running back position. only I, I, I'm not sure like I'm not a I'm not sure the exact word. <laughs> But it's interesting that you went with this, uh, went with this player, because I can definitely agree. I thought Debo Samuels was the running back for the, for the longest. I've always thought he was the running back. I never knew he was a wide right receiver, to tell yeah. the truth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he characterizes him as a wide back, which is wide receiver and running back, which I think makes sense. And, you know, I mean, hey, he got paid for it, so I mean, I won't argue with that. Yeah, you got to get so. your money somehow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, uh, we're moving on now to the receiving core. For these teams. And they definitely have some of the most scariest receivers that you could ever see in a division. I will say that. Mm -hmm. Um, When I did this ranking, I had to make sure I included basically the three. The wide receiver one, two, and three position kind of thing. But I also had to focus on the main names that players go and target for. So I'm going to go from there. So in fourth, I had the Arizona Cardinals as the worst team. Now... I know a lot of people will be saying, well, DeAndre Hopkins, though, he is insane. I love him, but he is going to be suspended for six games because of having issues with the PEDs. So, the question is, then, do you trust AJ Green to be your number one for six games and then, you know, put him back in? And I know a lot of people say, well, they got Hollywood Brown, but apparently he was arrested, so I don't know how long he's going to stay with the team, so... Just because of their situation not being great, and I think it's been an issue for the Cardinals, outside of DeAndre, who does Kyler throw to? And it's like that situation of, yeah, I mean, he's a great number one, but what about his number two and three? doesn't work.
1: Like, What do you his, think? Uh, his number, like how you said, his, like how is he going to, like if he doesn't have all these number ones and he has to throw to his number twos and threes, some of these guys I'm not really sure how their effort is or uh, how they're up play style is and i don't know how much uh game time they get usually but like i uh but like with uh, aj green deandre hopkins two amazing players but hopkins being out for this little little fault that he's done Mm -hmm. it it only leaves one real reliable receiver and it's definitely going to hurt their passing game especially like in, in going back to how we talked about the running back situation with the with the Arizona Cardinals, what direction do you turn to to make plays on the football field?
0: Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people may be asking, like AJ Green. He's a best. He's a good guy. I'm like, yeah, he is, but he is also on the older side of thirty, so you know you can't really trust him too much. Exactly. Yeah. So number three, I put the Forty ers receiver. Now again, I Debo Samuel identifies as a wide back. I don't know how the ranking system would go work there. But I love Debo, and he definitely showed last year, I mean, he carried the 49ers into the postseason just by himself, and that was amazing. But when I talk about numbers two and three, the Niners have a pretty nice and young receiving core going for them. Um, Debo Samuel, number one receiver, I love him, and he's great. Brandon Ayuk, he's been showing very good potential as a nice, solid number two guy. And even their third guy, Juwan Jennings, made some big plays against the Rams in, uh, in that final game of the year. He converted some major third downs and also scored some touchdowns. So I love them. Uh, The only thing reason I didn't put them any higher was just because they're not as proven. At least Ayuk and Jennings. Just because they're not too serious receivers. And also, I mean, they were having the ball thrown to him by Garoppolo. So maybe not. We're not seeing their full potential just yet. But again, they have good receivers, though. They're young. They're going to be here for a while. So that's why I put them in number three.
1: Mm-hmm. I can definitely agree with you with a uh, young receiving core. They're going to be around for a good while. They're going to get the experience. Um, They got to bond with the quarterback, depending on which quarterback that the uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, well, Trey Lance. But yeah, <laughs> it's going to give them a minute to actually bond, like mold together, like nice mm-hmm. cheesecake and stuff. It's going to give them a minute. But <laughs> I, there's potential within the squad. And like how you said, Debo Samuels, Perfect receiver, per- wide back, my bad. Uh, <laughs> they're going to mold together. I think their they're receiving core probably going to become one of the best in the upcoming years.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so number two, uh, I put the Seattle Seahawks receiving core. Now, a lot of you may be wondering, why do I put this one as number two? And, I mean, I could see why maybe the number three guy's not, but they have a solid one-two punch of DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett, who both guys were 1,000-yard receivers last year. You cannot say, like, any NFL team would want one 1,000-yard receiver on their squad. But when you're the Seahawks and you have two of them, like, you can't deny that that is very good production, especially when they had the ball thrown to them by Russell Wilson. Even better. Now, they will obviously regress because of the quarterback situation there, but if you were if you are a quarterback that needs solid one two options, the Seahawks got it. They got the receivers locked for the next couple of years, and those two guys can easily help you no matter how your team is playing, whether it's a rookie playing or a veteran playing. Like they'll have that.
1: Mhm. I get. I can agree with you when it comes to with uh, both of these one thousand yard receivers, McCaff and Lockett. We've seen Lockett many times. We too many times in the past man is that that man is great i do like i like him a lot abide by my team at like when they were at them at that moment i really like the seahawks receiving game especially like how you said with russell wilson used to being on their team now that they have geno smith mm-hmm. it's going to regress but i don't i i don't think it's going to push them back too far really i think it's actually yeah. they're going to improve more than uh more than we really think only because well Time will tell. That, that's pretty much all I could say about the receiving core. But I think they're going to be pretty nice.
2: Yeah.
0: And then, I mean, you pretty much know who's number one. I mean, the Rams. I mean, aside, fr- aside from um, the a situation with Allen Robinson, we don't know for sure how he's going to produce. And the team has mentioned that they want to bring back Odell Beckham. If you guys don't know, he was hurt during the Super Bowl, so he's going to be out for a little bit longer. But they, the Rams, and i you will preach this for a minute, I'm pretty sure, have probably the best receiver in the game right now in Cooper Cup. So I'll let you take it away. Go ahead and preach your piece, man.
1: All right. All I got to say, it's not a lot of stuff that I'm gonna preach on. It's just Cooper Cup in many situations. Short distance, medium, di- long distance passes. Cooper Cup's your man. There was one time I got sad. I got so sad seeing him being hurt on the field. I think it was against the Panthers or something like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how long he- I didn't know how bad it was gonna be. Came back two weeks later, performed like he never left. This okay. receiver is coming to be literally one of the best receivers. Of time of our time, it's first like like yards one thousand nine hundred forty seven in this year, throughout postseason and like postseason, it's crazy how good this receiver is. There's many that can cover him, but as we saw yeah. in the Super Bowl game, he's always open. Somehow, he's always open. The receipt, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it's beautiful. Like watching, I I watched some of their uh, uh, mic ins, and hearing Matt Stanford every time Cooper Cup gets that ball thrown to him for a touchdown, and hearing him say, yeah. "Nice job, brother. You did amazing. Oh, you threw me the ball. Good job, brother. Love you, dude." It's a beautiful bond. Seeing this quarterback receiver relationship work, mm-hmm. and I, I can't I, I can't say that enough.
0: Yeah. So if anybody wants to know, if you want to know, this guy's legit. 2021 results. This is his results. Best year, offensive player of the year. This is how you know he's a number one guy. 145 catches, 1,947 receiving yards, 16 touchdowns in the regular season. And in the postseason, 33 catches, 478 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. That's how you know you have yourself a number one guy who will likely be right there as one of the best alongside guys like Des Bryan, guys like. Uh, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, guys like Antonio Brown before everything else that happened. Like, Cup is definitely there to be one of the best ever. And speaking of one of the best, let's move on to the tight end position in the NFL. And, I mean, we'll we'll get to who I think is the best. But, you know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold my peace until I get to preach it. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) So let's talk about the worst tight end In the division, and again, guys, like when I say worst, I'm not saying this guy is bad in any way, shape, or form. It's just ranking them based on how they are right now. It's just how it is. So don't take this the wrong way. Don't say I'm being negative. I'm just saying based on our rankings and based on how we see it. So the worst tight end statistically in the the NFC West, I put the Seattle Seahawks. Now Gerald Everett, uh, Everett, Gerald Everett, I think he's an okay tight end. He's good. I've seen him make plays for the Seahawks, but he's not a game-breaking legendary tight end. And that's kind of been the norm in Seattle. Seattle hasn't really had that big, explosive tight end that many other teams would want. He's no Rob Gronkowski. He's no, you know, Antonio Gates. He's reliable. I'll give him that. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I only put him here, just cause he's okay, he's nice, he's a he's like a security blanket. If you need him to get a first down, he'll get it for you. What do you think, man?
1: Uh, I can I can agree with you on it. I don't hear much about the uh, tight ends when it comes to Seattle. I always hear about Russell Wilson, quarterback, running backs, uh, one yeah. of the linebackers usually, uh, but never yeah. usually about the uh, tight ends. And I can I can understand what you say. Uh, he's reliable. He's no A.J. Green or. I think he's at AJ Green. He's no uh, he, he's no Gates from the Chargers. He he's just reliable when you need him. He's there. He might be open. Uh, he's good at blocking. I th- I would believe I would believe so. And uh, I think he's gonna be there for the, pretty good for the long run. But he'll need yeah. a little bit more experience with that tight end position to make his name. Yeah, that's true.
0: Okay, so third, I put the Arizona Cardinals. And the only reason why I did that was because they have Zach uh, Ertz, I believe his name, Zach Ertz, who was the tight end for the Eagles. Now, he's a veteran, so that's one of the reasons why I liked him more, just because he's been one of the more... Under the radar, guys. Like when you talk about back then in the twenty like thirteen fourteen era, when you talk about great tight ends, names that came up: Antonio Gates, Rob Gronkowski, and stuff like that. He was a solid guy that you know you could always pick and say, yeah, he's reliable. He gets the job done. Similar to Everett, but he just has more experience. The problem though is that he definitely is hella aging. I think he's like in his late thirties now, mm-hmm. so he may not be around for the next couple of years. But he has he has veteran experience, which I think makes him better than you know um gerald everett just from this standpoint Mm
1: -hmm. i can uh i can hear that like experience any type of experience uh wide receivers running backs tight ends even they do have a good they do they do have a good uh reputation under their belt but for this situation i feel like he's more injury prone in a way uh Mm -hmm. only because of the position he's playing it's a tough rough position and like how you said he was on the eagles uh, from what I'm reading in, uh, in his depth chart, actually, is that in the post and in regular in this regular season, uh, he got four, uh, 74 receptions, 112 uh, T, uh, TGs, uh, 763 yards, pretty good usage on the regular mm-hmm. season. <clears throat> but we can tell it went down the moment they touched the postseason, only three receptions, 21 yards, and he usually has an average on 10, 10 yards per reception. Only got seven this time. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I he's I would say he's a nice weapon, but they're not using him like how a veteran should be used. You know, like how Kansas City yeah, would yeah. with their with Kelsey, they use him yeah. perfectly. But I don't. I'm not too much with the uh, tight ends yeah. on uh ca- uh, ca- uh Cardinals.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's always the idea. You know, um, you know, in the regular season they may boom, and in the postseason they may bust. You know, that's just how the game works. So, number two were the Rams, and I actually had to, I was confused, because honestly, like I said before, I said Cooper Cup was one of the best. When I looked at their tight end, I had to really make sure that it was the right guy, because I thought that they they didn't really have a big name, and it was obviously Tyler Higbee. Now, I think Higbee, he is definitely a young, very good, one of the best of the younger tight ends in the group. I think he has potential to blossom into a nice, reliable tight end, which I think, makes him good but the problem is he's playing kind of like in the shadow like I mentioned of the receiving core in LA which is I think is the the highlight that many people talk about like last year when you talk about the Rams offense it was like um Cooper Cub Matthew Stafford OBJ and like you never mentioned them say oh yeah Tyler Higby's also really good like it wasn't that now I think he's good it's just that he definitely needs to find a way to work out of the shadow in a way. Of you know being overlooked, because again he's reliable and he gets the job done. He gets you some crucial first downs. He can score touchdowns. It works. It's just that he just definitely needs to perform better so that his name is more recognizable out
1: there. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, he's definitely he is definitely like how you said he's he's the shadow of the receiving core. And I I see it definitely as a big advantage sometimes on teams where it's like you always see. The receivers, you always see the receivers doing their routes, but then you see that off-tight end, and that's Higby. And he'll definitely, he'll get us some yards. Showing from our depth chart, he's 12 on average, almost 13 in the postseason. He's a weapon. He's (laughs) a good weapon for those first downs. Definitely great, great tight end. But again, you do say that he does have to bring himself out of that shell. He has to be the, you know oh, he's a weapon, watch him, type guy. Mm -hmm. That's what I like. That's what I definitely can understand. I can can definitely relate to that one. Yeah.
0: And then, number one, George Kittle. That's it. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, you talk about Cooper Cup and how, uh, guys, if you guys don't know, Cooper Cup, third-round pick in 2017, he's definitely considered arguably one of the best steals in the draft. You can make the argument that George Kittle was. Fifth-round pick, tight end out of Iowa. He has been a beast. Like, you ask about one of the best tight ends in the game. You have it in George Kittle. He can catch for you. He can run block for you. He can do anything you need. George Kittle is the perfect package tight end. He makes plays happen. He gets you first downs. And it takes, like, three to four guys to bring this dude down. And... Glenn, I think you definitely know. You know, one of the highlights of his career was that Saints game back in 2019 when he got that first down, and he kept going, and it took three dudes to bring him down. Yes, he sir. is a
1: beast. You know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna just keep my mouth shut for the for the San Francisco Forty Nine er man. I don't have anything else to say. They, he basically said it, like how you just said, <laughs> Kettle, That's all you gotta say. You just gotta say his name. We don't need anything else after that point. Yeah. You watch the footage. You you basically know the character. That's that's all I need to just say.
0: Yeah. People argue about who is the best tight end in the game, and usually it's one of two names: uh, Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Kelsey may be the better tight end in terms of catching the football and making like scoring, but if you want the perfect package tight end, it's George Kittle. Like you cannot ask for a better tight end, and honestly, his persona, man. He always looks happy. He doesn't look frustrated. He doesn't get angry. And just the fact that he just is always like funny just like makes you want to like him even more. Which is one of the reasons why I love him as my tight end. He's like one of the best, and I think he's the best in the NFC by default. So moving on. So now we're going to talk about offensive lines, and we're obviously going a little bit slower, but again, I wanted to make sure we have time. Now, we're not going to break down every single offensive line position. We're just going to talk about the offensive line in general, and um, we're going to do this in reverse now. We're going to switch it up, and we're going to talk about the best and then to the worst. So the best offensive line I put was the Rams offensive line. Now, a lot of people may be asking, well, why is that? And it's a thing that I saw statistically on many reports on ESPN and, you know, all that stuff. When the Rams' offensive line is healthy, when all five guys are starting, the team performs better. When they're injured, that's when they struggle. But again, this is a hypothetical situation. If the Rams' offensive line is healthy, they're the best in the division right now, just in how they've performed. And every other divisional team, they'll have strengths, but they also have weaknesses. But for the Rams, if their guys are healthy, they're good to go to start a game and potentially win it. So, I mean, Glenn, what do you have to add to that?
1: Uh, what I have to add to that is the definitely uh, definitely agreeing with what you said about one. if one lineman is hurt we do seem like a bad team sometimes, but when we're all healthy, the team is like one of the best in the league. The O line is just the best in the league when they're all healthy. (laughs) And for them to have such a tough position and being able to do the Rams O line, being able to do what they do best. And that is keeping Matt Stamford protected long enough to find the right receivers or being able to open up specific pockets correctly for the running backs. I think they definitely do their job. Like, better than we better than a lot of people think yeah they do
0: um two will be the arizona Cardinals offensive line now their interior offensive linemen their guards and they are great and they also have one of the best centers in the game in rodney hudson which i think is great the problem however is that their tackles aren't as great they aren't as stable, which definitely has become an issue because Kyler Murray definitely likes to move around in the pocket. But if your offensive tackles are struggling in the on protecting your blind side, that's definitely an issue. And I've definitely seen in the film, when his offensive line, his tackles are struggling, Kyler Murray definitely struggles as a result. And thus, you know, it's definitely an issue that where you might have to consider um, fixing it either in the draft, free agency next year, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I can I, I agree with you. Uh, I also just now read that um, it's on the topic of one of their be- their best center Hudson is that he <laughs> is now questionable when it comes to uh, he is dealing with a knee injury right now. So I'm mm-hmm. unsure how this will affect the uh, the O line for this for the Cardinals. And I hope <laughs> that he comes out uh, healthy. I hope he's perfectly fine. And uh, I have nothing much to say. Just situations of the Cardinals yeah. is weird that that's all I can that's all I can pretty much say about it
0: <laughs> it is it is very weird okay um number three I put the 49ers now I think I mean I think you can agree their left tackle Trent Williams one of the best in the game right now would you agree yes so that's that's true but the problem, though, is the Niners' inside linemen. Now, the main problem that a lot of people have said is just that their offensive guards and center is definitely questionable. Alex Mack retired this offseason, so our center is a bit of a question mark. And potentially, our guards will be started by first and second year rookies. So, the Niners' tackles are good. Trey Williams and I think Mike McGlinchey are solid. But the interior is definitely going to be an issue. But I think that as as like many people say, if they get experience, they develop, they'll be okay. The Niners definitely are not known for their big offensive linemen. But they definitely have very good security blankets where they have it to where they don't need to constantly change out and rotate their offensive line. They stick with one and they go through it like till the end. So
1: yeah. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else to it. Uh I don't really have much to add, but like uh the only real uh Thing to watch out for that I think is how you said they're the rookie uh, ta- uh, the rookie tackles that they have gotten uh, I do hope that they perform well um, and I I think that if the, the t- if the team utilizes them in the right ways
2: mm-hmm.
1: and hopefully like how you said uh, I would think it, hopefully they're like the draft like steals I hope that they are and uh, <laughs> I wish the best for them really I really do alright
0: And then last place, I put the Seahawks. And really, I'm not going to talk too much into it. It's just that the Seahawks offensive line has always been a mess. And they have to constantly rebuild and restructure. Their best offensive lineman in Dwayne Brown, he, I believe it was, um, left the team. Or I guess they didn't resign him and now he's on the Jets. So I don't really see that offensive line being as stable as before. But again, it's been a norm in Seattle that their offensive line is not great. And that's one of the reasons why likely Russell Wilson wanted out of there and thus got traded. So I mean, I don't know if you want to add anything else or do you want to just head on into the next bit?
1: I can I I'm definitely I'm just going to poke at the uh the reason why Russell Wilson left. That I, I feel like that is also a reason why he left, but it's it's the constant breaking down the department, building it back up. It's a hassle, especially for the quarterback, mm-hmm. especially for the uh the running backs. It doesn't work all the time really. And I don't know if they're going I don't know if they're going to stop this trend really.
0: I don't know either. Okay, so now we're moving on to what is potentially the strength and one of the reasons why the NFC West is considered one of the best divisions ever, uh, in all the time, and it is the strength of this, of all four teams for the most part, their defense, and, I mean, they are recognizable names, we're going to get to every single one of them, so we're going to start with the defensive line, so this includes defensive tackles and defensive ends, and we are just going to start right away, so... Um, yeah, we'll start from the bottom first, and then we'll go, we'll switch it up again. Uh, I put the Seattle Seahawks defensive line as the worst. Now, the reason being, though, is because they're mainly rebuilding for the most part. They don't really have a recognizable name on that defense now because of how much they're going to be rebuilding. Their best player, I think, is Shelby Harris because of the trade with the Broncos. But outside of that, I'm not really seeing any... Big name pass rushers like back in the day when it was used to be guys like like KJ Wright or um, what was it? Um, I forget his name, Michael Bennett and stuff like that. Like it's no longer that, which is definitely kind of like a sad time because remember at one point in time this team had arguably one of the best defenses of all time.
1: I hearing about that. It, I it reminds me so much. Like I I, <laughs> I I I I really I'm not gonna lie, as a Rams fan. I do root for the teams. You can you can believe it or not. I root for the Browns, hoping that they get to the playoffs one of these years so I can <laughs> win a bet. But I rooted for these guys for their defense alone. Like how you said, Carlos, yeah. they had one of the best defenses, and we all just took it. We loved it. And then we yeah. got it taken for granted when they – what was it? They threw off uh, – they did that last Super Bowl. Oh, everyone yeah. left. Now one of my favorites – Richard Sherman, he's not even on the team anymore. I loved his spunk, especially when he did the San Francisco 49ers crabtree dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really like their <laughs> defense back in the day. I hope they can come back to it. I really do. I hope they come back. I would love to see more games of their defense yeah. being awesome again. Yeah.
0: Legion of Boom, one of the most recognizable defenses in football. Literally did not last long, but hey, they had one hell of a run. I'll give them that. So, number three. I put the Cardinals defensive line, and the reason being was I originally was going to put them as number two ahead of the Rams because of Chandler Jones if he stayed, but he left for the Raiders, so that's one of the reasons why I bumped them down to three, because J.J. Watt and Golden don't really seem like a formidable one-two punch, and I know a lot of people said, well, Chandler Jones, you know, he only had five sacks in one game, and after that he did nothing. I mean, yeah, but he's still a threat. So now that they don't have him anymore, I'm not really comfortable in trusting that just one guy that may produce. And then the veteran like Watt, who has definitely, definitely seen the better side of days since his time in Houston. So I mean, what do you want to add to that?
1: Uh, nothing much really. All I have to say is just uh, like how you said, like uh, it's just JJ J. Watt. Uh, he <laughs> can't really be the only uh only big name when it comes to uh when it comes to a defense uh especially on the line uh mm-hmm. the cardinals have had their good their good line days but most of the times they don't uh mm-hmm. they need to find some a really really nice good tackle because from pre- from previous experiences with some of jj watt and in- injuries and stuff and he's getting mm-hmm. older he's not going to be able to last as long as everyone would like to as well as his performances is not going to always be 100 but he'll keep putting forth his best effort yeah
0: okay so then number two i put the rams defense uh defensive line at least um i mean you can't deny aaron donald he is a beast he is a monster on that line (laughs) and him pairing himself with leonard floyd was a nice one-two punch i think works and again, when Vaughn Miller was there, he did more than enough that helped this defense de- defensive line be very good. I think Aaron Donald alone has definitely kept this defensive line as basically not being as forgettable as many people tend to remember. But, I mean, he's played well. And I think at one point in time, the Rams had definitely one of the most ferocious pass rushes at one point in time. And, you know, it's not as good as it once was, but it is still very good. So I mean I don't know if you wanna you wanna praise your boy Aaron Donald for what he's been doing.
1: What can I say? When my team has some of the best DNs in the league, you know we had Jake Long (laughs) for the longest time, and now we have Aaron Donald. He's he's great. Even his his attitude off the field. I like looking at some of his Instagram posts, partying with like (laughs) he's having fun with all the other football players on his team and stuff, working out and just he's having a good old time. Him outside and inside on on the field, he is great. My only problem is that when we had Sue uh, for a little bit of time, I remember we had him. <laughs> I think uh, it was that sometimes, and I saw it both. They both had a small anger issue when it came to being yeah. on the field. <clears throat> if they can control that, it's definitely Aaron Donald. I don't like. I, I do not like to see him get ejected from the game. I just hope that he can fix it just a little bit. But hey, I used to play a DN. Being angry is some of the greatest stuff, man. All praise to him. I love him as a player. Yeah. I love him as a player. And I love my D-line all the way. Yeah.
0: And if you guys don't know, Aaron Donald has been ejected in games before because of you know him losing his cool at some point in time. But again... Like you said, hopefully he'll mature about it now that he has a ring, now that he doesn't really have much to prove outside of that. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then, um, number one, I put the 49ers defensive line. But the reason why I put the Niners line over the Rams is because, like, it's not just one guy. And I think it's kind of similar to their running back committee. It's not just one guy that they have in their pass rush. It's a variety of guys. Like, again, Nick Bosa alone, I think he's amazing. And he's great. But the fact that the 49ers have a very solid rotation of defensive linemen, it just makes it work. Guys like Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, uh, Jordan Willis, um, what's his name? Arden Key at one point. Like, you can take guys from other teams who have, like, one sack, they come to the 49ers for one season, and then they get, like, six sacks or five sacks uh, in one season. And it just shows you that. If the 49ers have a good running back coach, they have a very good defensive line coach who can just get the best out of you. And again, Donald alone on the Rams, he makes the pass good. But the fact that the 49ers, they don't need just one guy to be good. They can just have a variety of guys be good. Like, you can have guys you don't even know of, like Kerry Hyder Jr. getting a sack, and people be like, oh, wow, who is he? Where was he then?
1: Like, he's just amazing. Mm-hmm. You stated all the points. It was a quality of one person... Is very different <laughs> with the quality of many. The 49ers, yeah. like how you said, there is there's always there is many names that they have that they can swap in and out. If one's feeling tired and one's refreshed, just swap them in, and they they they're playing yeah. the endurance game. They don't need mm-hmm. entirely the four. Got to hit them on fourth down. Got to make them punt. They don't need yeah. that. They just need they'll play the endurance. They'll keep smashing at that O line, and they're going to come out on top. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah, they are good. Um, They are good. But now we move to the linebackers now, and I think the Rams, I mean, at one point, I was definitely going to put them as the worst one with the linebackers, but I mean, hey, they made one hell of a splash this offseason, signing arguably, and I think he still is the best, Mm -hmm. Bobby Wagner. And you can't say that Bobby Wagner, if Russell Wilson was the face of the offense, You can make an argument that Bobby Wagner was the face of the defense. Mm -hmm. He was very good, and he is still one of the best linebackers in the game. And now that the Rams have him, he's just going to add veteran experience, veteran instinct to a defensive linebacking core that up until this point, I didn't really know much about. Bobby Wagner alone elevates the Rams linebacker core to being one of the best. His veteran instincts, his play... He hasn't fallen off. That's the best part. Linebackers tend to fall off at some point because of how many hits they take. He hasn't. And the fact that he's still going just shows you just how great he is. I think he makes an argument for being one of the best of his of his decade. Mm-hmm.
1: Still still does. And like how you said, experience on, in a linebacker when it comes to defense, that's leadership. And that's what every defense needs. And he has not fallen off ever since he left. He, ever since he left the Seattle Seahawks. And I'll keep him. I'll definitely keep him. <laughs> I I don't want to I don't need to say any more more than that, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, if Bobby Wagner is the best linebacker right now, I think Fred Warner on the Niners is probably one of the best linebackers of the future. He's a young guy and is, and if you guys don't know, I put the Niners at number 2. I love Fred Warner. I think that he definitely elevates linebacking core. He has definitely developed into a veteran guy and has definitely become He's definitely one of the best, like top five best linebackers. And many have made the argument that he's probably the best of his generation. I think the only other guy that even comes close is uh, Darius Leonard. And I like that because you know the Niners, their linebacking core. And I know you remember these two guys, the two most dangerous men in that 49ers defense, Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. That was a nice one-two punch. And the fact that he plays on that level, just goes to show you that he's on par with those two guys as being one of the best, and I just love that. So, I don't know if you wanted to add anything else to that.
1: Uh, I don't have much, except I don't really see all the time San Francisco being such dangerous creatures on the linebacker's field, and they have. (laughs) And now now that you said for the future, I'm I'm even more scared. I'm not trying to lose NFC's anymore (laughs) against (laughs) you guys. (laughs) I mean... I mean, hey, I mean, you're you're,
0: you're, you're okay, though. You know, I mean, as long as you got a little Bobby, Bobby Wagner by your side, side. You, you, you'll be all right.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, uh, uh, number three, three, I put uh, the Cardinals. Uh, the now, I don't know if you saw any about this, about but the linebacker, linebacker for them is Isaiah Simmons. And... The reason, the reason why, why I, put I put him at three is because, because apparently, from what I've heard, they're trying to use him in more ways than, more ways than Because apparently, apparently, he's a guy, guy a linebacker, like, like a different hybrid to where you, you can put him put anywhere. If you, you want, him want him as a linebacker, back, you can. If, you, if want you want him as a corner, corner you can do that. that. If want you want him as a safety, you can do that. Basically, he's versatile all around. Now, I think that's cool, and I think that definitely could be interesting to see if many other teams try to go that route. But, but
2: he definitely, definitely doesn't fit the traditional
0: linebacker mold that we're used to see. Mm-hmm. And again, this is in um, Arizona. Arizona, so I, mean, I don't, I don't know, know what exactly they're experimenting like. I, I know that last, uh, when he was drafted his first year, they didn't know how to use him properly. And, and now, now that I think it, it's his second or third year now, I don't, I don't know if they're going to continue to look that same. Because I think they also have another guy similar to Simmons in this year's draft, so I don't know how they're going to use him. It's, it's kind of interesting, interesting but, but I like, like the, the potential, potential upside, upside that, that he
1: brings. brings. I, I never even, I from from my perspective, I've never seen or I never knew that they would use Simmons like that. And mm-hmm. how you said, it's not the traditional uh, middle linebacker or linebacker that we would expect. Where it's just tough leader and not and like I didn't, th- I didn't know that they would, they use him in more ways than one. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's interesting. But it's not I, – I, it's, uh, it's cool, definitely, but I don't know. I don't know how I specifically feel about it. I feel like they should keep him in the spot that he needs to be. And if they need the spots that he has to go to to be fixed, get someone mm-hmm. else to work it. Please, like Get someone else that will fit that role and do a good job at it. That's what they need to do, in my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then again, Seahawks last place as um we've seen multiple times, and I mean it's not in regard again again. Bobby Wagner was arguably one of the best, and if the Seahawks had kept him, I would have put him in number one. But the fact that he they released him, and that's the thing. That's another thing. They didn't trade him. They released him. So that's another thing to kind of put into consideration. Um, was how they kind of treated their leader. I think that was kind of bad. Their guy, I think, is Jordan Brooks. He's good, but he's not near the other three guys, which is definitely kind of saying something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of sad. Kind of how they they kind of let go of Bobby.
1: Yeah, the team is like slowly falling itself apart. It releasing players, trading players, like big big names, big leaders that really formed the team. And mm-hmm. it, it does. It does. It is kind of depressing to see that. Like, it's like, oh, you've done so much for us, Bobby Wagner. Uh we're going to release you. Uh-huh. Yeah. The fact that they
0: didn't even trade him.
1: They released him. Mm-hmm. That's the part that hits. Because that's like, wow, you you guys really just did that. Yeah. Crazy. Like,
0: and, yeah, and, and not like he, like, fell off or anything. He was still playing at a very good level. So the fact that they just said, we're releasing you, not even, not even considering, let's see what we can get for him, just released him. Just I don't know. It just kind of threw me off in that way. Mm-hmm. Right, anyway, um <laughs> moving on. We're now talking about the corners of this team. We're almost near the end. Uh the corners. And I put number one. I had to put the Rams. I mean, you can't deny. Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. no matter how much he trash talks and how much he plays, he is he backs it up. He sure as hell does. He is definitely one of the best corners of his generation there is no denying that so i mean what else would you want to add to this guy's resume if you
1: were to add anything man has spunk man can he can he can walk his talk he he does what every corner does really mm-hmm. and does it better mm-hmm. how do you take baseline cornerback and do better than that it, it's great i like him he reminds me back in the day Old Richard Sherman. I liked looking at him. Yeah. I just keep talking about Seahawks players, don't I? But we're going to avoid that, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> he really does his stuff correctly. Even in practices, I've mm-hmm. seen, I think I've seen only once or twice some uh, Instagram footages of Ramsey going up against Cooper Cup and seeing those two mm-hmm. play against each other. It's, it is crazy to see the best versus the best. Even seeing him talk to other best receivers on other teams, even though he talks trash at the end of the game, he's still – he's a really nice guy. He talks and stuff. He has a nice conversation with people. He – good receiver. Good corner, I meant. My bad. Good corner. He he definitely is going to (laughs) show much more potential in these upcoming seasons. I love to see it from him. Yeah. yeah. Now, a lot of people, people may be saying, say, like, talking talk about, about him, him uh, uh, they might say, does doesn't he get burnt?
0: Now, now there, there are instances that where he has been, been beaten coverage and, and he, he does, does make mistakes, mistakes, which is expected. expected. But, but when, when I'm, I'm talking about all right, around, every down, he is, is one, one of the best. best. So, anybody so, comes at me saying, oh, but he got burnt by this guy, or didn't he call Josh Allen trash and Josh Allen beat him? Yes, I know that. But again, I'm basing it on. Overall, Overall what we, we think from down, down to down, down the, the best. best. So don't, don't come at me with that, that stuff. stuff. And, again, and again, you have, you have your own opinion, opinion guys. So. You can come at me for that one.
1: I'm okay with it.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay, so number two, I put the Niners' corners. Now, now, I might, now, I will say the Niners' corners are not the best. And this is kind of a dip-off because the Ramsey's the best, which is it's kind of similar to the Titan, where he's definitely the best and then everybody else is kind of just good. Um, the Niners corners, they're hella young. And that's one of the reasons why I put them a little bit lower than I thought they would. I, I was going to put them at three, but I kept them at two. They're low and they're young. But they have experience and they've played well. Because I think Emmanuel Mosley has been one of the more underrated corners that they've had. And they definitely have had uh, some recognizable young stars getting plays and making you know uh, incredible athletic stuff. Now, I think that from what I've heard, their new corner, Traverius Ward, he's been lighting it up in the practice, and he's been great. So just from that, I'm just saying that they definitely have a potential to be a very nice young cornerback duo. And that's definitely the thing, though. The Niners' weakness on defense for the last year was definitely that when a corner gets hurt on their team, it is hella hard to find somebody else to replace him, mm-hmm. which is definitely an issue. But if you're talking about no injury, they're playing – they definitely have some spunk. Not Jalen Ramsey trash-talking, but they have some spunk. So,
1: mm-hmm. I, you, you filled in all the criteria for me. Uh, I don't know really much what to say about the uh, corner on the San Francisco situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I, I think it's just the youth and them being mm-hmm. experienced, uh, having the experiences of uh, going through this season. They're going to pick mm-hmm. up a lot. Uh, it'll be nice to see the San Francisco 49ers hold on to that like two corner two corners that are both reliable and if one gets hurt you mm-hmm. could definitely swap someone else in there i hope they hold on to that because uh, mm-hmm. if they don't i'm i'm sorry carlos but uh you guys might become the worst team in the season <laughs> in, the, in the league that's just...
0: <laughs> <laughs> fine that's one of the reasons why i put their defensive lineman as one of the best that if they have good lin- defensive lineman they don't need corners cuz you get sacks so <laughs> So, yeah, I can't argue there. Uh, number three, I put the Cardinals corner. Now, this was um, interesting because I think it was Byron Murphy was their corner. And I think he's played great. And I think he's a second-round pick. So, you know, props to them for finding somebody else um, that has elevated his game just as much as he has. He's definitely good, which I appreciate. The problem, though, is outside of him, though, I don't really see them having as great of corners which is i think understandable they did at one point have one of the arguably one of the best in patrick peterson he's not there anymore so with byron murphy he's definitely coming into his own but he definitely has some ways to go before he's considered you know on a top 10 record of one of the best corners so i mean i don't know if you wanted to add anything to it if you knew anything about byron murphy or if you want to talk about the arizona corners.
1: uh I have nothing too much Arizona still trying to fix their stuff up when it comes to defense. Nothing more than that. I don't have much to say about them.
0: All right. So then we're just going to move on to this next one. The last place I put was the Seahawks. And the thing is, though, is that they lost both starting corners this offseason. They lost, I think it was Shaquille Griffin to the – to the Jaguars, mm-hmm. and they lost DJ Reed to the Jets, so they lost both of their starting corners. So I don't know how much you can trust them now with who they got in, in replacement. And again, I mean, like you mentioned, this is definitely a fall from grace when they had arguably one of the best ever in Richard Sherman.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it it's a, it's crazy. Like I I don't know, man. It, it it's it doesn't. I can't fathom words when it comes to like this this team with what they're doing. It, mm-hmm. It's like they're. It's like they hit a beautiful peak back in what 2016, 2017 ish, mm-hmm. and they're falling. Bad. Like it's not. It's not cool. It's not good seeing this, and seeing them trade trade players to, the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars and the and the Jets.
0: Oh well, they they had them. They didn't trade them. They signed them. They signed with the other team. So they basically let them walk. Is what I'm saying.
1: Oh man, they they. Dude, that's... I can't say anything. I can't say anything. <laughs> yeah. I can't say anything.
0: <laughs> All right. So, second... uh, So, now we're talking about the safety position now. And, I mean, like you mentioned before, the Seahawks might have bad and everything else, but you cannot deny that they have one of the best safeties in the league in Jamal Adams. He is one of the best. Now, I don't know if this is still true. I've seen videos of him getting hella burnt by every receiver imaginable. I mean... But they paid him, and he is technically the best, so I will give it to him. I don't know how, but he is labeled as the best safety in the league. But again, the safety position, though, is just like the running back position, in my opinion. Just the fact that you don't really need a a recognizable name. But I mean, hey, Jamal Adams is the best safety i think on the seahawks team right now and the best in the nfc so i don't know
1: if you wanted to add to it i definitely think that he's gonna i think i definitely think that he is really really damn good uh, he's good but it i it, it can't if i could stop stuttering if i can <laughs> it just kind of falls back onto like he's a good player his position is really not he's a good in that position but what else can you say when the rest of the team, when the rest of the defense around you, it's not entirely working. So if I, yeah. like it's definitely okay for him to get burnt. It de- sometimes it isn't for okay for him to get burnt as well. <laughs> but, but he makes it up on his own, and he'll do his best. but and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he's gonna stay around for much longer. Uh, I definitely hope that they don't tr- let him like, you know, walk or anything like that. You know, like-
0: well, I believe that um, last year, I think, they signed him to an extension because they traded him from the Jets, and it was like his final year, so obviously they weren't they traded a lot for him, so they did re- re- sign him. I think he signed on for a four-year deal. So, I mean, like you said, if he stays, it could be good. He could be a nice piece to help build around your defenses, but if your team's struggling still, you might want to cut ties and save money, so, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm uh so then number two is actually a different one i put the cardinals as the second best team with the best safety and the reason being i don't know if you notice this but Buddha baker on their team he is honestly a very solid safety like mm-hmm. he may not be amazing but he gets the job though. Like, he can tackle your big plays and he can definitely get interceptions and make uh fumbles happen which i think is really nice to have and i think he's kind of one of those like underappreciated guys where it's like you can have him on your team and you won't mind it but he's not like a big name which I think makes him that much better just the fact that he has something to prove and he's shown it in Arizona
1: mm-hmm. and he's definitely going to keep doing his job in Arizona uh, like how you said under, un, like underrated name don't hear a lot about him I don't see much of him but I've seen only enough in, in one of our games against the, Car- uh, against the uh, Cardinals he was really good he he kept cover on he kept the ba- he kept the uh deep coverage he did really he does a really good job uh <clears throat> he'd get he does get the job done like how you said i just i just hope that they don't mess this up with this person too mm-hmm. they, their safety situation just needs to stay the same and just stay good as long as they got that i think their default is really okay <laughs>
0: All right, and then um, number three are the Rams, and I put number four is the Niners. So, for the Rams, I believe their safety was Taylor Rapp, and I think he's good when healthy, but the problem was, I think, last year, before the playoffs started, he got hurt. Yeah, and then they had to bring in a retired safety, Eric Weddle, to fill his spot. So, um, the reason why I put him at three, though, he is good when healthy, and I think he's still one of the better safeties that I think – makes the defense all around like he's not on the same level as Ramsey as a corner but he definitely provides that leadership skills there and then with Jimmy Ward as the fourth worst or I guess the fourth ranked I think he's underrated I think Jimmy Ward is a solid corner or I guess safety technically just because the fact that he has provided leadership for this team he is the last remaining piece of the old regime like Jim Harbaugh era and The fact that he's played well, and he's definitely shown becoming a leader and definitely being a hard-hitting safety. I've seen some of his plays, and he hits hard. So I think the reason why he isn't on that same level is, again, like the fact that he isn't well-known, he doesn't really stand out. And, I mean, on a Niners defense where you have a very good pass rush and good linebackers, it's hard to really put your name out there as one of the best. Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, I agree with you entirely. But that in in a way, the safety division department in of itself – is really outshined by linebackers corners even the defensive ends they're always usually outshined and (laughs) they they're they are able to make a name for themselves but it's just extremely tough to do it when all the time quarter quarterbacks are always run plays short passes middle medium passes most of the time but those long distance passes you never you it's always the safety and they mm-hmm. they're like you can definitely we, we can name at least at least one of them, Troy Palomalu, one of mm-hmm. the most aggressive safeties in his time, and still yeah. is one of the best safeties, and they can definitely make a name for themselves but in the A.F. Mm-hmm. in the nFC West, most of our most of the uh safeties are are not well recognized, they're always the under underrated names, but again they they just get their job done, some just do it better than others, yeah.
0: And then, now we're on the last one, last ranking for today that I think will be very nice. It's the coaching. Because, hey, you got to have a good coach if you want to have a good team. Oh, yeah. And so, (laughs) so, yeah. Um, So, first best, or I guess the best coach, I think was, I think without a doubt, Sean McVay. You cannot deny that McVay is a very good coach. And he is a very good offensive guru. He wins those big gains And he never fails to, you know, show his stuff. Now, a lot of people may say, oh, but, you know, he struggles and such. Like, you know, he definitely has inconsistencies. Well, yeah, but any coach does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at one point, and again, this you can preach. At one point, when they were leading at half, they were undefeated at one point. And I think it was, what was it? Like, the record was like, what, 47, 48-0 when leading at halftime. And they... Since then, it's been, like, 47-1. and one. Like, you can still not deny that. That is impressive. When he leads at halftime, he almost guarantees you a victory. hmm So, I mean, what do you want to add about your coach?
1: Uh, he's young still. That, that's probably one of the biggest things about this coach, that he's still very young. And with all the knowledge that he has, he, he's great to have on pretty much any team. And like I said, mm-hmm. if we're in the lead, if anyone's in the lead, at, with this coach on their side, you're guaranteeing a win. And with the way yeah. that he talks to all his players and seeing after a good victory, telling everyone, you already know who's the be- who did their job on this field. Boom, 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 giving everybody their props and doing exactly mm-hmm. what a coach is designed to do. He yeah. he, he is the good – he works the good role. There's nothing more to say about him.
0: Yeah, he is one of the best, 100%. Um, number two – is my coach, Kyle Shanahan. And just like with Smith-Vay, I like like their both style because they both are very much offensive geniuses. Kyle Shanahan could, as he's shown, he can win games when he needs to, and he has shown to be very creative. The way that he uses his running back committee, the way that he used um, Debo Samuel this past year, the fact that he had Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback for the last couple years that almost gave him a ring is amazing. The issue, though, with Shanahan that I think is better than why he's not as better as McVay is time management. One of the issues and one of the critiques that Kyle always gets, and I think it's been all the way back from his loss with the Falcons in the Super Bowl, the fact that he definitely struggles with time management, and it's shown time and time again whenever he loses those big games against the Patriots when he was with the Falcons, against the Chiefs when he went in 2019, like, he definitely struggles with trying to make sure he keeps the clock in his favor to win games, but... If you look outside of that he's still a really smart coach he's young and he definitely has what he has in mind is just very much amazing
1: mm-hmm. oh i i don't i don't have much on on. on <laughs> uh, you, you basically stayed on every every san francisco i i believe you with the with him yeah. and it seems like these two like like how you said these two they're both young uh shanahan like time management i i think i'm starting to see it now just a little bit and uh, but hopefully he'll come out of that little uh hunch that is
0: true and I mean and again that definitely was a critique for Andy Reid when he was a head coach when he's a head coach in Kansas City and he's definitely gotten out of it so hopefully you know Kyle does too um number three I put the Cardinals now Cliff Kingsbury I think one of the things that a lot of people talk about he has spunk and he has a spark and he's very interesting in terms of how he performs the problem though is that he has shown, and I think this is very much real, and I think you've seen it, when the Cardinals in their second half of the seasons, they struggle, and they struggle hard. And I know it might be that, oh, it's the player, or anybody in particular. It also comes down to the coach, man. If you're not performing well, you need to focus, and you gotta make sure you're playing well. And again, Cliff is a good coach. The problem, though, is that he definitely needs to be not just a good coach, the full-season coach. He has to make sure that he's performing well all year long, not just in the first half of the year. It also transitions into the second half.
1: Oh, yeah, I can't say much. <laughs> but with coaches, it's, it is very odd seeing that with the coach, and there is a lot of need of being a full-game coach, full-season coach, like McVay yeah. and Shanahan. You definitely got to – and like I said, spunk and spark – You have it, but if you have that, but you don't have it the entirety of the game, it does result as a huge problem in the team. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And then it brings them to number four, the Seahawks. Listen, I think Pete Carroll, he is an interesting head coach. He had the spunk and he had great moments in Seattle back in 2013, 2014 and such. And, you know, the, the high years of Seattle, he was a good coach. The problem, though, is that he's getting older and many players, including Russell Wilson, have said that kind of, they're kind of thinking that maybe his age is catching up to him and it's not letting him perform at the best level. Mm-hmm. And and I know a lot of people will say it's hard for you to part ways with the head coach. And it's 100% true. But if your team is not there or they're not looking at it, it's either your quarterback's not doing something right or it's your head coach. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. If I had to choose between keeping Carroll or keeping Wilson, I would have kept Wilson, man. Mhm.
1: Like Pete Carroll definitely like definitely he had his moments, but he's slowly losing them. And like I like Russell Wilson, he like it was time to time uh time to time, time from time that Russell Wilson has said that every now and then him and Pete Carroll would have an argument about some situations and mm-hmm that's not really something you like to hear from an offensive leader to the team leader it mm-hmm. it's it's a it builds a problem within the team and mm-hmm. I think with all the times that he's been there all the time that he's actually coached he's coached for USC and uh, all of, for all those years you definitely got to commemorate him for him for for all these years of teaching yeah. but I think it's time to move to a new head coach if This one is starting to drive some of the best players off your team.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a situation that I might devote a whole nother video to talking about that, but we'll get there till we get there. But yeah, that is our rankings, ladies and gentlemen, of every single position that we could think of i know i would have put special teams but i didn't want to bore glenn with that because you know that's just some other stuff all i
1: gotta (laughs) say is matt gay is the best kicker that i've ever seen ever (laughs) (laughs) that's true um so Uh, so,
0: what what are we going to learn from this today uh one thing you can take away away from this this is is that that one one, one, the the Seahawks Seahawks are basically basically rebuilding rebuilding form. form, so. so um definitely take that into consideration if you're thinking about buying a seahawks jersey or if you're planning on thinking that they're going to win the super bowl in the next five years probably don't so that way you're not like the dallas cowboys and getting embarrassing tattoos every every year (laughs) uh what do we know about the cardinals uh the cardinals they have a good offense but we gotta wait till the second half like they had them they had you in the first half not gonna lie so (laughs) so definitely you know something to look there and then of course we have to, t- and one thing to take away is that the Rams and the Niners are potentially and arguably the two best teams in the NFC. And if likely everything goes according to plan, we may be seeing these guys competing again in the NFC Championship Game again, maybe sometime down the road. Who knows? Again, it's just a mystery. You never know who who ends up going to the Super Bowl every year, and it's always nice to see rematches and matches that we never heard of. Will we see the Niners and the Rams go again in the NFC Championship Game? We'll see. We'll see. And I know for a fact that uh, both teams are in good shape to be very good for the next couple of years. They will be heavy favorites almost every year. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So mm-hmm. so before we go, though, any final things you want to say, Glenn? Anything you want to add or subtract or rescind or something?
1: Uh, final things I'd like to say. I, I want to mm-hmm. do just a quick thing on the teams. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, definitely they're going to hopefully get their drive and come back to their glory days that they did back in the day uh arizona cardinals like how you said though we're gonna play uh they just got to come in the second half just give them some time uh and and again the san francisco 49ers rams hands down are the two best teams when it comes to the nfc west they it's like the cavaliers and the golden state warriors all over Mm -hmm. again when it comes to when it came to basketball these two teams they, they, they have their they have their work set they have Good perks. They have bad perks that they're definitely working on and getting over, and they're doing good jobs at it. That's pretty much all I could say about it.
2: Mm-hmm. It'll, definitely It'll definitely be interesting, be interesting to, to see, see who of these, these four in the next like five, like five years, years where they're, where they're at.
0: at. Uh, we'll, we'll be very interested to see if anybody has won one won more schools, Bowl, lost crucial games. It'll you know, we'll we'll be very interesting, interesting to see. see. But, but one thing, thing you can say, though, is the NFC West, it has, has been one of the, of the toughest divisions in the division, and I, I think, think it still, still is one of the, one best, of the best divisions in the league. And, and I know, I know that, that the AFC West is making a run for our money, money but hey, that's, that's an entirely, entirely different, different episode, episode for an entirely different day. day.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> righty, ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude our episode. I hope you enjoyed us talking about the NFC West. I know it was a little bit longer than expected, but that's just how we roll here. If you guys do enjoy, be sure to like and also give me feedback i have a lot of more videos coming up in the near future i got some stuff and it's not just going to be the nfc west we're going to be talking about my guys and gals if you want me to talk about other stuff i can talk about the bills i can talk about josh allen i can talk about the vikings the broncos i can talk about a lot of teams it's just what you guys want to hear it's not just nfc but i can always divert for wherever you guys want so be sure to you know, let me know in the comments and as always ladies and gentlemen, i hope you have an amazing day And stay being awesome. So, yeah.